Welcome to another episode of the weekly webinar series brought to you by the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association, where our mission is to connect, educate, and elevate the performance and knowledge base for experts who work in the most expansive industry in North America. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to DPHE's weekly Wednesday webinar. Um, today, we have a wonderful panel of DPHA members who are here representing a global perspective of the decorative plumbing and hardware industry. Um, Co-moderating with me today, we have the lovely Kim Frechette of Amrich. Kim, say hi. <laughs> <laughs> So um, this is the this this topic is a brainchild of Kim. So she is joining me uh, moderating today. We have Robert Calabresi of Oceana Baths, based out of Canada. We have Oliver Blythe. How'd I do? Very good. Okay, <laughs> with Quaco Americas representing the European perspective. Uh, John Weinstein from Franz Wigner uh, representing the South American perspective. Hello, everyone. And Sarah Jenkinson uh, from Barbara Wilson, Sterlingham, and Q2, representing a European perspective with the UK, as well um, as Denmark. Denmark. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked about it. Like, it's not Danish. It's <laughs> Denmark. <laughs> Thank you very much. Awesome. Um, and for those that don't know me, I'm Kimberly Glazer. I'm the Director of Marketing and Sales for the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association. Um, and we are happy to have you here today. So before we get started, now that you know who we are, we're just going to launch this poll. If you could just tell us uh, what segment of our industry you are in, please, so we can get a, really tailor our, our chat today. I know I saw at least two dealer names on there, guys, and no one is clicking dealer. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to call them out by name. <laughs> but thank you. No one. <laughs> their initials are. <laughs> oh, well, we actually have four dealers. That's exciting. All right. Yeah. All right, I am going to end the poll here, share the results so you guys can see. We've got 41% are reps, 34% manufacturers, 13% dealers, and 13% other. Rebecca's usually the only other. So if you um, selected other, if you could just write in the chat and tell us what segment um, of the industry you're in, that would be great. I'm guessing we have maybe a PR company or two on. We'll see. Precisely. All right, Kim, take it away. All right. So our, most of our webinars are based on um, the North American market, which is normal. We talk about North American things and what's going on in our showrooms, but our showrooms represent a lot of products, products from around the world, and they're proud to be able to offer such a large offering to their customers. So I always think it's fascinating how interconnected our industry is with the rest of the world. And if any of you have had a chance to go to uh, shows in Europe or elsewhere on the planet, um, you know that it's kind of a small industry when you kind of look at it in the global perspective. So um, I thought it would be interesting to talk to some of our fantastic international 
uh, members and ask them um, what's going on in the countries they represent, what's going on uh, with the design communities in those countries. Um, so thus we have our great panelists here today. Um, before we all joined this uh, a little while ago, we got started talking about what's going on and um, we already had launched into the conversation about what's how things are happening in other countries. And um, Robert actually had started to tell us uh, how things are happening in Canada. Uh, we were commenting because most of us travel for our jobs visiting all of you. Um, that we probably won't in the United States be traveling to see customers for quite a while. Uh, but in Canada, Robert had the, the good uh, fortune to travel to Toronto and uh, do some business calls. And so, Robert, you want to tell us um, what you were telling all just a few of us earlier about how the showrooms looked and sure. what they were doing? So the trip was very, uh, very easy. Uh, the, the airport are completely empty. Uh, Montreal, Toronto is a hub. It's, there's a flight every hour, but now there's every four or five hours. Um, a lot of security and a lot of questions as you go to the airport. Uh, but when I got to Toronto, I was pretty surprised that uh, we were very welcome in the showrooms. Uh, my reps had uh, done the legwork in um, calling for meetings or appointments. But uh, the showrooms are about 80% completely open. Uh, it's written on the door by appointment only, but uh, I can assure you that uh, everybody was in there and, you know, with the distancing, but there was some showroom were pretty busy. Uh, as for reps, um, the bigger lines will allow reps to come in and talk about their products or novelties, whatever. But if it's only to come and say hi, they won't, uh, they'll let you know that's not the right time. Uh, and some showrooms, uh, wholesale showrooms are very, very particular. They don't want you to come in the showroom. They don't accept rep and not even appointments. So we had a few meeting uh, in the parking lot. Uh, at two meters distancing just to chit chat and say hi and just you know basically it was calls to tell them what we did in the last three months in COVID what we came up with new things and what the future brings so that's what is little report on uh, and the same situation in Quebec uh, um, our reps in Quebec have been traveling into showroom for the last month uh, with masks um, washing their hands or sinks in every showroom as you walk in, but it's business pretty much as usual. Is it is the renovation business? Um, has it picked up as it as it has in the United States as well? Yes. People sitting home looking at their projects. <laughs> yes, there's two things happening in Canada: is that if you put your house on the market, it's going to be gone in about 24 hours. There is no inventory as own. So you can flip your own, you know, and you, you're going to be three to six bidders per listing. Uh, wow. so, uh, and the renovation market is very busy. Uh, even us at the factory, we're, you know, we have delays because it's, it's, we don't, ex we didn't expect this growth after April, May, June. People are renovating in Canada. Sarah and Oliver, you guys uh, are sort of in the same, um, let's call it continent for, because it is, uh, do, which one, you, you guys had both mentioned that it's a different way of going to market there. So do you want to talk about that? Either one start? Well, 
reps in the UK and as Oliver said in Germany are generally house reps. Uh, they only have the one line, that's what they go to. Uh, the UK um, has been really shut down until about two weeks ago. So nothing was open. You stayed in your house other than food. So we're only just beginning to see um, business getting back to normal with insurance. And masks are not compulsory until next week because apparently we've only just discovered masks in the UK. Um, it's It's been... As far as the designers and so forth, that that has been still going on because most of those have been able to work from home. So we've been there's been an awful lot of work um, going on, even though the whole country was you couldn't move for one mile from your house for months. Um, again, real estate uh, in the UK it seems to be moving away from the cities, which actually is what we're finding in New York here. We're finding a lot of people want to move out to the Hamptons. Hello, welcome. I feel um, like I should have held on to my Westchester house for like mm -hmm. another year. It's probably worth like yeah, like um, We also uh, one of the things that's interesting that they were finding are getting people to get away from open planning. They're getting a lot of calls from people who are who don't know how to self isolate when you've got one giant great big room from the living room to the kitchen and so forth. There's not the privacy space that you need from when you're working at home. I'm at home today, I'm at, I'm at, the reason I'm on headset is I have an open plan and I'm in the kitchen and William's in the living room and he doesn't want to hear this. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's, it's been very interesting seeing the difference because in America, we always had at least one state open somewhere. I mean, there was not everything shut down completely. In Europe, and Oliver can talk about this, it was a complete shutdown. And again, baby steps now. It's no reps are visiting any showrooms yet. They have not been given the authorization yet to go out. Oliver, is it the same thing? In you know, it's very similar. Um, you know, Germany has had uh, such a boom in terms of um, housing and renovations and so forth over the last few years and there's such a pent-up demand there's not enough labor there are not enough plumbers not enough carpenters to do all the work so before the COVID hit it was a huge pent-up demand and um, then of course you know March April and May the country was completely shut down basically uh, just like in the UK or in, in other in other parts of, of Europe so Business in our case, um, you know, for um, for as many of the manufacturers was um, impacted in Europe, of course, in March, April, and May, but not to the extent it was in the, in the North American market for some reason. And there were some countries like the Netherlands, for example, that actually saw increases of in business in in uh, March, April, and May. Now June has been a totally different story. It's it's been a record-breaking month for you know, some manufacturers. And I think it's because, you know, there's this pent up demand from, from before. Um, and as, um, uh, you know, as we heard also, we, we do have, um, most of the manufacturers have their own employees as their sales reps. So um, they were able to, first of all, retain all of the representatives because, you know, there's, there are certain government programs in place where companies can apply for funds and then, you know, keep, keep their workforce until 
business comes back. So they were able to hit the ground running basically. Um, and uh, so it's, the showrooms are, from what I understand, I'm, I'm not 100%, you know, up to speed on, on, on all the, the details, but from what I understand, the showrooms are pretty much open. Um, there's a lot of dealings with plumbers that have showrooms. So it's not just, you know, kitchen and bath showrooms in Germany. It's, it's really mainly the plumbers that have their own showrooms. Uh, manufacturers usually deal with, say, a handful to maybe 10 key accounts wholesale accounts, they do have many different showrooms, of course, on their own. But, um, you know, the, the, the large majority of business is done through the plumbing uh, contractor and their own showrooms. So they're visiting the wholesale operations as well as the plumbing showrooms. And from what I understand, that's, uh, you know, in June has picked up quite a bit. Um, March, April, May was very, very low in terms of getting out there and, and being able to visit. So it's, it's quite a change uh, the last month and this month in July. So John, uh, in South America, is it something similar? And I'm kind of curious how you, you guys all think that the design community is interacting with us. It's more online now getting information. So, but John, you want to tell us what's going on in? Yeah, well, in terms of the design community in South America, I'm a, I'm a little, you know, personally disconnected from that. But I do know what's going on in terms of uh, some of our domestic market there and all the countries that we serve. And Latin America in general is, you know, they're still accelerating in terms of cases. It's growing and growing and worse and worse. They've had... I don't know how many extensions to the lockdown since March. I think it's seven or eight or something, you know, extensions that they've, uh, they've put in place. Um, you know, you've got countries like Bolivia where people are literally just dying in the streets, you know, uh, people die at home and they put them out at the curb, the bodies at the curb, because there's no, there's no support system. In Argentina, there's a great health system. So it's very different there than some of these of the other countries in Latin America. And in Argentina, they still are under lockdown. So unless you have a pass, uh, some sort of a pass with your work, you're not even allowed to drive. You're not allowed to drive. You can't go to the store if you're over 60 years old. So there's a very, very conservative restrictions there. Um, no construction has been allowed at all. However, the renovation market is strong because the people that have the money are buying it now because the, you know, they're, they have the money and the, the exchange rate is, is to, you know, if you have dollars, you're really, you know, on top of the world there. It's like uh, 71 pesos or 72 pesos to the dollar. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in that regard. Showrooms from, uh, it depends whether they're a hybrid or not. Um, and by that, I mean, just like here, when we were under lockdown in the States, if you were associated with a supply house, your showroom could be open, right? But if you were a standalone retail store, you couldn't be. So it's kind of like that there. They have what's called the, um, Retterias, I believe it's called. And it's a hardware store that sells plumbing and everything. Those guys, because they're they're needed, they're open. Um, again, some Would that be similar to like a Home Depot or Lowe's? Mm, well, there are some of those big ones, but no, these are smaller, 
Okay. Like a smaller hardware store. Is it just like an ace? Everything for um, yes. Right. And um, you know, like here, it's mask is required and you know, limited hours and, and that sort of thing. So um so is your company is the factory um everybody's working remotely? They're um no, so this has been the problem. So the factory itself since March 20th, I believe, was under complete lockdown. So we have where where the Franz Wigner products come out of, we had 1400 employees, it was closed. Then it was that was March. I think it was towards the mid-April or end of April they allowed us to bring some uh, employees in for export only because they want the US dollars down there. So you could operate with limited amount of employees. Literally, we started with, I think, 150 out of 1400. Now that's like trying to build a car in the GM plant with all the workstations with limited staff. It's it's very challenging. So um, we're now- did yeah. their approach to the United States change in that way, besides getting people to come, you know, the, um, or the seeing a flow different to sales to the United States? And that's, I have that question for all so of the you. Focus, the focus had to be both the government and, you know, the government want, would only allow manufacturing for export. So, yeah, so the company looks at our brand, which is a primarily North American brand, as being very important. But then you face the challenges of, okay, we're going to bring some workers back into the factory. Well, how do they get there? There's no public transportation. Their kids are at home. They have elderly people to take on, family members to take care of. So that was a whole other set of, of challenges <laughs> to get sure. them to come and get them into work. You know, people are used to taking the bus, you know, for 45 minutes, things like that. So. <laughs> So, um, you know, we're coming out of it. What's, what's unique is, which I find just completely, you know, despite the fact that the lead times are extended, and I know this is true for all of us, um, the business in June and July has been absolutely tremendous. You know, it doesn't matter. Lead times, maybe 12 to 20 weeks, but the orders are being placed because I think everyone's in a similar kind of situation. Yeah. Um, Showrooms are busy here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'll take that that section of your question and I'll redirect our conversation a little bit. So are you guys, we're all, everybody's talking about design changing at home, right? Um, actually, Sarah, you're talking about the open concept, but I, evidently that's the big thing because we're all spending more time together now um, with kids, without kids, with, you know, the grandparents, everybody in the house. And have you guys seen any changes in the demands for products that are being asked in your particular market segments or I think in both I think in bathrooms because they have always always been private one hopes <laughs> yeah. Thank um, we haven't haven't seen that I mean I've been talking to architects on the phone and, and they've been talking about what they've had people asking for them and uh a lot of the things, especially in the apartments, I don't think it's so much in houses where you can go outside, but in New York City and London, um, I have generally heard how to make the open plan apartment have more privacy sections. So the right now, the kitchen into the dining room all open, and now maybe you want a separate kitchen from a separate dining room. 
I, I would also say something that John was saying about that. I mean, what the companies I represented, manufacturing never closed down um, in, the, in UK and Denmark. That was always allowed to continue, but they had to do it in different ways. So we were working in shifts. I mean, and one of the fun things about small companies is pretty much everybody in the factory is related in some kind of way. So they were actually finding their shifts were split between families. <laughs> so the families could see each other at work. They're not allowed to see each other at home. They're not allowed to do that. So they were sort of saying, you know, um, my dad, my uncle, my cousin, and my sister, we're going to be coming on this shift. So they were all come, all the one family was coming on one shift, which was really kind of cool. That's um, a really um, neat perspective. Yeah, they just, it was, and, and other people said, well, no, I don't want to be with my family just to keep it, it was very <laughs> peculiar. But um, it was interesting that the, the manufacturing completely shut down. I had a very funny thing with a customer in Pennsylvania, which thanked me for getting her kitchen faucet so quickly. Her kitchen cabinets, on the other hand, were not going to be coming until September uh, because the factory was completely shut down. So that's been part of the weirdness, I think, from something from one country that is completely shut down and you have to wait. And even in, within manufacturing, we have had to wait for German cartridges coming in or something like that. That's been the holdup more than the factory actually closing. Sorry, that was the John's thing. Yeah. yeah, but that's actually a great point. And Oliver, if you want to, um, I know Germany did really well with the disease early on. Did it affect how? Yeah, I mean, people... definitely. I mean, we, you know, the the factory was um, never shut down completely. We also had the same thing happen uh, where people were working in shifts. Um, same on the um, on the administrative side. So we had some people working from home. We had other people coming into the office, uh, you know, two or three days a week and then work from home the rest of the week. So it was completely kind of flexible in terms of how everybody worked. Um, and from that perspective, you know, it, it was um, there was not a not an interruption to that portion or that part of the business. Um, now, in terms of suppliers and, and uh, you know, products that are needed for the manufacturing process. I don't know about many other uh, German manufacturers. I mean, the ones I've worked for, they were, some of them were, are very focused on bringing components in from relatively close by. So they try to source, you know, 80% of their components from within a hundred kilometer range around the factory, which in this case really helped. Right, because you you have that close connection and you you know your suppliers very well and the, um, they're in the same boat basically. So uh, you know if you source stuff from all over the world, as we've seen and as we've read in the in the in the papers and in the heard in the news, it can create these disruptions disruptions in the supply chain. And so that was not the case there. Robert, do you want to say anything before we? Yeah, we um, early on, we were able to uh, be essential service. So we were shut down for about three weeks. Uh, and then we applied to the government. And it's a bit what John was saying, we would we came back in shifts. So we worked uh, 
you know, day, night, and the, the weekends. And Tetford Mines in Quebec is a very, very small community that everybody knows everybody. And we did the family thing too, so they could see each other. Um, so basically for two, three weeks, we're shut down. And after that, we came back gradually from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50. And now we're working at 80%. Um, we ran out and we ran into a problem with uh, some acrylics. Um, we a lot of our raw materials come from the states and uh, uh, the Lucite company because of uh, the high demand of clear acrylics for every storefront, every grocery store. Uh, we were out of some sizes of acrylic uh, in the white acrylics, especially uh, for about two, three weeks. So what we basically did is we have our national construction vacation, which is going on these two weeks, last week and this week. And we moved those early July while we were pretty, you know, short uh, on, on raw material for acrylic. But now every back, everything is back to normal and we're back to our delays are about a week to 10 days farther we cope pretty good with it but it could have been a huge problem uh if uh, the lucite company did not uh, uh you know help us because we were really they didn't advise us basically that's what happened so two three weeks i don't know you're in the acrylic business too uh, kimberly and uh you know i don't know if you've had the same problem but it's uh, some of our peers in canada we have a few acrylic manufacturers, and we were pretty much on the same boat but we're out of it now so i mean one, yeah. thing, I to, one thing i wanted to add if i may um and maybe that's part of a different um you know section in the discussion but you know, the manufacturing part was not an issue, uh, I don't think, for, for us and for many of the German manufacturers, but the shipping is a oh, big yeah. issue. That was my yeah. next, uh, that was my next topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Good it's, segue, it's, Oliver. Yeah, it's incredible how um, this has affected the, uh, the freight rates because there's no passenger traffic between Europe and, and uh, the North American market to speak of. As you said, Robert, you know, even between Toronto and Montreal, there's no people in the airport. So there are no planes flying. And as most of you may know, 80% um, of all the air freight um, is packed on passenger planes. So there's no passenger that. planes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's I no passenger no planes. There's no space for cargo. Now they're trying to retrofit some of the, uh, the passenger planes to carry more cargo because there's fewer of them. So they're trying to, you know, have 20 passengers and the rest of it cargo maybe. Um, but what it did was it, it basically tripled the freight rates um, for air freight. And um, so we had to move to sea freight, which is also very expensive because everybody wants to do sea freight now. Um, but it also adds, you know, four weeks to the delivery time of a product when it has to go sea freight. So we're trying to use a lot of the UPS or courier, you know, not to promote one over the other, um, you know, options. But that has been the biggest challenge for, for in our case, uh, for us with this whole so, situation. I have a question with that because I feel like it's going to come from someone and it hasn't yet. But how are y'all handling those freight increases? Are you eating that? Are you passing it along to customers? How are you handling that? We well, were filling it to DPHA. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, John. We are it comes off the association. <laughs> I was gonna. No. I would to, to to be fair. But before everyone answers the question, I was gonna say that in North America, we are all living with freight 
like ridiculous. They're nickel yeah. and diming, you know, every little shipment that goes from anywhere to anywhere in the United States. So it's not, it's an international thing, but also a national thing. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I just uh, today I had a, um, a conference call with DHL because we're looking at that, you know, maybe as another option. But, and, um, you know, we were doing a test shipment, like a quote, and, and there was a line there, um, emergency fund something, you know, surcharge. And I'm like, what is that? And he said, well, that's the COVID charge. Yeah. And it was like $10 for a shipment. I'm like, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's been a very, very, um, you know. Uh, so, so for us, the same, same thing, besides waiting for, um, for aircraft, which sometimes takes, can take up to uh, four or five days before we get a slot on a plane. There was no one at customs for like almost a week. They didn't have enough, you know, they had a, a skeletal crew for the customs department down there. So we, I think we had one shipment that literally was, you know, 10, 12 days just trying to get out of Argentina to the States where then it comes in and then it gets trucked up from down South to uh, Chicago. So it's been a problem. Luckily we, I mean, fortunate side is we have a lot of inventory in Chicago but to get any of our special finishes, that's that's where the long lead times are. Um, and then, of course, you know, like Oliver was saying, with with sourcing, and they do their best to to buy local sources. And in Germany, we're buying you know Huber thermostats from Italy, and we're using Growy Tempers out of Mexico, and you know a few different parts. The rest we do in house, so that's all great. But if you don't have a you know rough in the wall, you know that's a problem. But so we we just early on just loaded up as soon as uh, Huber opened reopened because they were closed down for a little while in the beginning. As soon as they got going, we ordered a ton of their stuff for fear that you know this could surge again. So now we've got you know roughs up to uh, <laughs> the ceiling. <laughs> it was probably a good plan because it seems like around the world there's yeah. an uptick. So I know it's uh... we Sarah's... for us. I mean, I'm not going to mention the U word, but uh, um, you know, they do a quote. And they just tell you it's oh, it's only four dollars more, four dollars yeah. more a kilo, and you do the math. But they don't tell you that they're doing it based on dimensional weight, um, and then you get the bill and you can't pass that on to customers not right yeah. now you just can't yeah we, we have to, we, we have to also. eat it yeah. and and it's and then there's the domestic friend. i'm sure your customers i on behalf of all of your customers thank you it's not, look all, <laughs> all of us have additional costs all down the line so down the line. yeah it, it's it it's not sense. just us. I mean, showrooms have to have all the new, the plastic things, so you can't have acrylic tubs and all of that. Everybody is having to spend money and things we never thought we'd ever spend them on. Right. Um, but again, back to Oliver, again, having local for most of your stuff you use, um, again, Sterlingham, the cables in our towel warmers are American. Um, everything else is British, but the, the, the cable is American, so it has to go to from America to England and then back to America. And that is right now nosebleed. It really is nosebleed. Um, uh, you have the, the companies that have their own planes 
like DHL, Federal Express, UPS, they're a little easier to deal with. But it's when you get to the big freight. I mean, if I'm mm-hmm. sending, if we're sending a lab set to somebody, that's no big deal. But when you're having the big shipments come in, they have to go freight. And that is where it's insane. Yeah. So in addition to the, the amount of money that it costs to ship, do you guys feel like there is a different expectation from the consumers? Oh, no, they still, want it, they, consumers? Still, no they still want it tomorrow. Right. Oh, yeah, Robert. of course. I mean, there's, there's, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Robert. Sorry. Uh, I, the showrooms that I visited last week, I asked the same question, uh, Kim, is like, uh, our, our dealers, our customers are patient. They understand the situation. But the end user has become extremely demanding. They do not accept the fact that, you know, there's COVID out there or there's shortage of staff or extra cost. They want their order the same, you know, like even faster. If it was a three-week uh, ETA, they want it in two and a half weeks or two weeks. So I think it's not our customers to say, but the end user are extremely not patient. That's in Canada, and I see some in the States too. Definitely. Does, does any of that change your approach to the United States in moving forward? No, not at all. No. We just, you know, it, it, this is going to go away. Uh, you know, we, we try to make it as, as easy for our dealers so it's easy for their customers. You know, we, we have shipped a, a single tub just to satisfy somebody instead of waiting for the FFA and we paid for it. And, you know, we, we work with, with our customers, like I'm sure all of you do. Uh, it, it, it's, we're going to get out of this one. I mean, it's, uh, but for now uh, it's tough for everybody and we, uh, we have to uh, work with the reality out there. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you'll see, probably you'll see, uh, more manufacturers or more, and in our case, you know, my company is not a manufacturer. I'm, I'm, I'm importing, I'm representing a manufacturer basically now. So the situation has, has changed for us. Um, so in terms of the freight, you know, it's, it's very hard for a company like mine to absorb that exorbitant freight rate that somebody's charging us to bring a pallet for, you know, a couple of vanities over. Uh, you know, we're talking six to nine hundred dollars for a pallet. Um, sure. So you have to kind of put that in relation with, you know, how much that vanity costs. Um, and I see, you know, a, a lot of our showroom partners also absorb some of that freight themselves. So they, they're not, you know, we're, we're passing it along. So we, we don't we don't put any surcharge on it. We don't increase it. We, we don't make any money on the freight. We actually we, we subsidize it to some extent, too. But um, I think a lot of the showrooms also do the same thing because they, they're not in a position where they can charge a, one of their clients, you know, that amount of freight. Um, so from that perspective, I think that it's a big issue. And I think you'll see a lot of manufacturers trying to build up more inventory in order to, to satisfy these quicker lead time demands by, by clients, but also to reduce some of that freight, especially when it's an international company that's bringing product in from elsewhere into the North American market. Right. John, did you want to add anything? I think you're going to see the the fallout from this pandemic and everything that everyone's had to go through with web conferencing and the effects of 
everyone buying stuff online, curbside deliveries, digital ordering for everything, no touch deliveries, you know, you name it. Um, I think we're going to see a surge in technology in the showrooms going forward. There'll be more like uh, maybe Ikea-like with service people in the back end. Um, see, touch and feel, enter what you want, bring in the design of your bathroom, scan it, shoot a hologram of your bathroom design after you've gone around with a, uh, your phone and, and scanned products that you like and assembled the shopping list and things like that. Um, I think it's this may cause a lot of uh, showrooms who have heard of this type of thing in the past uh, really start to embrace it and put these, uh, you know, that sort of environment into action, really. So. It'll be interesting to see if the consumer, uh, they are very already very aware of where many products come from, if it will, I don't think it makes that much of a difference right now, depending on um, what they specifically want. If they're, so, they, you know, they're sourcing it, they'll do research on the company they're looking for to fit in that design. Um, so, you know, um, I, I, yeah. hope, I have hope that it's good for our overall DPH business um, to keep the showrooms also busy showing people what they can have. You know? Yeah, I've certainly been able to reach out to more customers sitting here in my home office uh, in one week than I was when I was traveling and spending all that time in the air, in airport lounges and all these, you know, and, and the money that was spent to do that, you know, being that one customer was a catalyst for me to fly across the country to, you know, to do a training at a new customer. So while I'm there, I'll go see, you know, X, Y, and Z customer too to make the most of my trip. And now I come home, you know, a week later, I've spent $5,000 to do what I can now do in 40 minutes on a web call. But you're in Buenos Aires. Yeah, I know, yeah. it's beautiful too. Well, it's gonna exactly. clear up, I think this afternoon. It's a little yeah, it looks cloudy. Like <laughs> Kim, well, did you want to, um, were there any questions that you wanted to share with the panelists or? Um, not really. So attendees, if you have questions you want to ask, Debbie Miller was saying that they're getting more pushback regarding freight than ever, but we, you know, we really talked about that and she shared that she's, you know, she's eating the, some freight costs too, that they're, you know, that the showrooms are sharing it with you guys. It's not just you. Um, so one of the things I think is happening as well is, um, and you guys you may be able to say this, the, the consumer I find is shopping online. I guess it's a good thing. Looking at our websites, um, figuring out where the product came from, and they pick a product and they get it. And they, we ship it with all of the headaches we were just talking about. And they get it and they're like, that's not what I wanted. And I, I don't know about you guys, but the more and more I've been talking to people, the consumer wants to return it no restock you know we just it's just not what we wanted it's not what we expected so we'll you know and i'm wondering if you guys are having um any more conversation with dealers about you know i i thought i liked it i thought the finish was cool i thought that's you know but no <laughs> that's not what i really wanted yeah well from our perspective we've we've not sold online and have our dealers don't sell online for the most part most of all you know, the Franz Wigner is not to be sold online. Whether that's no, but I mean, just or, visiting yeah. your website to shop your stuff, you know, yeah, not purchase the consumers, there. But... Consumers don't ever find our website. That's the reality. 
They don't. <laughs> Sorry. How would they know to even get there? Uh, you know? A good showroom person? In know. order, really, that's the whole trick of any any website is to draw people to the site, right? We're, we're just not that savvy because it hasn't been our thing to do that. Um, you, you focus know, on the showrooms. Need to, huh? What's that? Then you focus on the showrooms. We do. Our focus is on the showroom and let them do that or whatever it is. That they do. <laughs> so um, given the hiccup and like the delay this year, so are your designs going to come out the same at the same pace that you initially anticipated for Ooh, the year? No. <laughs> no. I can't even produce right now what was supposed to be for ICFF in May. <laughs> I have my own bathroom here. I'm doing since the tree fell on my house in April. Oh, and, gosh. Uh, so this Philly uh, bathroom project, hashtag Philly bathroom project, <laughs> I give a shout out there of my bathroom project that we're putting on Instagram, is scattered. The delays of product are all over the place. Um, Laufen's doing fixtures and the f basins are here, but the furniture is made in Italy. So that's way behind, you know, the tubs do here any day. My faucets and my finish, I'll be happy to see by the end of the year. You know, Siddler's medicine cabinet is was ordered in the end of April. It'll be here in August, just next month. It's early. It's great. Like, well, we all have calendars of how things will be released, you know. So it was, and and I know what you know. We're trying to forge forward with the new releases and not delay. And yeah. are you guys doing the same things, Robert? Excuse me, I'm looking at questions. Sorry. <laughs> the right. develop that's okay we'll go to sarah so in the development process are you guys you know go, still moving um, forward with your new we've been delayed not necessarily with product but with with coding um uh for uh the i mean we were coming out with marble town warmers um and because it's a different thing we have to have a new uh, listing well we put it through to them last october yeah. yeah right that's still happening um getting stuff for massachusetts code approval finally came through they cashed the check in january um that's what's holding a lot of our new stuff out it's not necessarily the design or the manufacturer of it but actually getting all the code approvals from it interesting yeah. i hadn't thought about that it's every component i mean our price book yeah those be out months and months ago, but the printer was closed. So then, you know, and now to redo that. And then his paper source was not providing paper. And then we had to choose a different paper. And it's, you know, it's, right. it's like, it's that whole domino effect of everything that, you know, that can get delayed, gets, get delayed. Yeah. Well, and another and aspect of the, the, the product launches is, you know, where do you launch it and how do you present it? You know, there's yeah. no trade shows. So, uh, you know, it's all virtual or you, you use your social media channels or what have you, your website. And DPHA. Do instant, you know, DPHA. I mean, DPHA, exactly. DPHA. DPHA virtual conference on October 22nd and 23rd. It's a great, you know, opportunity to launch products, of course. Um, but, you know, that that's definitely also a, a concern. Right. You're developing these products and, you know, next year is going to be uh, an issue year in, in Europe. So that's, you know, for most of uh, this industry, it's the largest show uh, worldwide, and it's where most of the new products are going to be launched, especially by the European manufacturers. Um, and who knows if that's going to happen or not? So, right. you know, have, that you, have you heard anything about it at all? Are they still not yet? No, I have not. 
Anybody hear anything about the Italian shows at all? None at all. I would be totally surprised if anyone can have a big trade show like that. Yeah, I don't think so. Next, I, I, like I, I, the IDS in Toronto, Robert, I the IDS in Toronto in January. IDS in Toronto, they're, uh, I know. they're sending us emails uh, every day, but they, they, I doubt it. They, they called me to ask my opinion about uh, whether they could do it in May. I said, you, yeah. in May? That's during ICFF and HD Expo, you're going to hold it in May? I don't think <laughs> They ask us the same thing in May, and I don't see a trade show in Toronto in May. I don't I think either. The best thing to do is postpone it. But January 2021 will still be at the tail end of this, and I, I don't see. It. I don't. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. So along the need- lines of crystal balls. Yeah. And looking into the future, we have a great question. Um, since we have manufacturers from many different parts of the world, looking into your crystal ball, what do y'all think the new normal will be like? It's a, it's a general well, question. But. A lot more alcohol drinking, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> West disinfecting, so. It's happening now. Yeah. yeah. Are there any trends? Have you guys heard of any? Like, so let's see, we're talking about ish, but if, um, have you visited or done any shows with anyone in a virtual capacity that you thought was really cool? Or there's a trend coming from any of your suppliers that, you know, sh- the way they can show product? I have, um, we have a partner in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, he's actually a kitchen designer with a showroom, and he actually opened up a new design studio in South America and he just recently participated in a a virtual trade show in in South America so I think you know maybe from the showroom perspective there's an opportunity to do things you know virtually or electronically whatever um, to expand your expand your or their business that they may have not have thought of before this happened because now you've got all these tools and yeah or everybody's aware of the tools that are available and so that opens up new horizons and i think it's the same for the manufacturers too you know we've been really focused on the personal visits and opening the showrooms and and doing all these things that you know one normally does when you do business but i think there are so many other opportunities now that you can look into um that may open up you know other avenues yeah, I've seen companies like, in fact, I watched a webinar that Warmup did. It's, it's different from what you're talking about, but you got me thinking now if we collaborated, a few manufacturers like us collaborated to do a webinar, a collective webinar of products like a mini expo, you know, a conference right online. Well, we'll be doing it with we'll be, DKHA. We'll be calling. <laughs> check, your, check, your, uh, check your email on Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll have a unique opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, years ago, I was talking to David Goldberg, um, and he was reinventing his showroom at the time to be a um, almost like an art gallery for plumbing. Right. And... He said something that really spoke to me at that time. And so I'm blaming David for this. Um, He pointed out that people will always need something to get them wet and get them clean, whatever that is. And there will always be manufacturers who will manufacture whatever that product is. How the consumer buys it 
is what is going to change. And I think we're seeing that um, within this. That they are, as you said, it's not just going to Amazon and online. I mean, it's what they require our websites to be. I mean, ours has always sucked. We finally got a, a good one. But again, like John, we have the same thing. We make forces. We don't do websites. This is not what we do. But we're going to have to, whether we like it or not, that's where they're going. And we've got to do it in a way that can help the dealer for that. And again, help the reps, because we're all talking about this, but the reps are the poor people who get squished in the middle. Um, You know, you've got the consumers do not understand what the reps do. We do. They need to be that middle person. And I think we need the reps to help us bridge that to what the dealers need and what we, the manufacturers, can produce on our website. That's my crystal ball. Anybody have any, uh, do your companies have any specific expectations of North America? Well, let's say the United States. Robert has, I think Robert has something to add first. He's so polite. You're so Canadian polite. <laughs> uh, I, I'm the eternal optimist on this. And I think that people are so tired to shop online uh, that when this blows away, I think the brick and mortar showrooms are going to be extremely busy and people are going to want to touch product, sit in bathtubs, try faucets, and have the human contact with a sales associate in the showroom. Uh, showroom has been there for hundreds of years and showrooms will be there in hundreds of years from now. Uh, our products are not sold on the internet. We stopped that last year and our sales have just grown and not, uh, uh, it, it's where you want to do it. Uh, we don't believe that somebody should buy a bathtub online. Uh, like you say, they try it. Oh, that's not what I expected. We're not Costco online. We are manufacturer that sell to high-end boutiques that the booze boutiques pay their sales associate good dollars because they're trained and they have passion. So I think that after this blows away, I think uh, we better get busy and but ready for the show because you guys are going to be, very, we're all going to be very busy. Yeah. My husband, wouldn't even, um, my husband wouldn't even buy a tub that he couldn't sit in. Right. But I don't think that's right. Yeah, I don't disagree with Robert at all. And uh, I just think that we're going to see the technology within the showroom advance. So uh, along that line, that's a good segue. We have a comment from um, one of our attendees from a standpoint of website design. An idea that's been gaining popularity would be like Jocelyn Main or Wayfair, where you can view the product within your space with a camera um, capability. I know I, when I was looking for some lighting fixtures, I was able to do that with a website and the design so, community the design community is talking about that a lot uh if yeah. if, if any of you are taking any time to like you know watch their web- webinars it's interesting um what they're talking about too so and i imagine they're doing that around the world since everybody's that, in the same boat right that's all wonderful and wayfair does a great job but i will tell you two stories that happened to me in the past 24 hours and this is with uh not all this up with regards to online on sale, online sales. And my brother and I used to, by the way, provide private label to build.com for their private label brand faucets. We did it for two years and I have to say, I don't think we made a dollar for all the stuff that came back that they couldn't repackage. And when it came back to us, it was 
scratched in the faucets in a box. Can you can only imagine, you know, you only know, in fact. Um, but I was at a friend's house last night who's in the construction business, beautiful backyard. I was there because he's giving me his old patio furniture and he bought all this gorgeous new stuff for $4,000. What a deal I got. Look at this. This is only, you know, and he's putting it together, a million pieces. And he gets to the second set, takes it out of the box, both loungers, the frames were bent because the box had taken a shot. So here he is, he's assembled, spent hours assembling the first few pieces, and now he's into the second few pieces, and, and he's got this. Being a, in the construction business, he's rebending. He takes all the pictures that it's damaged, but he is determined he's going to put that thing together and finish the backyard last night, you know. But this is the challenge we go through in buying things online. It's different with sneakers and soft goods as it is with our products. That's vitreous china, that's acrylic, that's brass, that's got a finish, that's got parts. You know, John, that is such uh, a good segue. Do you know what our, our DPHA panel discussion is next week? <laughs> DPH in the internet. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Kim wrap things up and ask a, right. a final question because we're running out of time. Okay. But that was such a perfect segue. I can't help but say next Wednesday um, we do have a panel discussion about DPH and the internet. So we have a designer, a, D, a showroom, and a manufacturer all to talk about the internet, how to compete against it, why people are shopping on it. Etc. So join us next week for that. But Kim, back to you. <laughs> the only uh, last thing I would ask is if anybody wants to add anything to, you know, how how do the countries you represent look at our marketplace? What their expectations might be, you know, um, anything else you want to add? Well, I think you know the North American market. I mean, I'm speaking about the U.S. and Canada, of course. Um, is still a very, very important market for all of the European manufacturers that I'm aware of. So I think that's not going to change. Um, in, in fact, I think it's going to be even more important in the future because many of the European markets um, are, you know, somewhat saturated. Um, and for some of the European uh, products, I, I think, you know, on the, on the retail side, the growth is in North America. On the project side, it may be in North America and other markets, Asia Pacific, specifically. Um, but I think from that perspective, it's, it's going to be a, a focus for the European manufacturers and it's going to stay that way. You know, we'll see what the political situation is going to be going forward and, and what have you. But apart from that, I think it's, it's definitely very important. Anyone else? Well, I think that some people are going to shy away North, from North America. They're going to shy away from Chinese products. Uh, you know, um, they're going to go for European products, North American made, buy locally. Um, I know that I have some dealers in Florida that uh, purposely ask me if our tubs are made in North America in China, in Vietnam, in Hong Kong, and whatever. And uh, they say their customers are walking in their showroom and say they want to buy something that's local, North American, or European. But they will not touch a Chinese product. You know, it's... And I know and that... Yet, 
and yet so many of the internet companies that people buy from because it's a quick ship are made yeah. in Asia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. My my wife bought a box of Max uh, masks on uh, I think Amazon, whatever, and she specifically, specifically, where is it made? Where is it made in USA? Okay, we got them. I mean, you open the package, instructions are in Chinese. Right. Yeah. You know, so you know, so, so it's very annoying, but uh, wow. but I think that uh, uh, <clears throat> manufacturing locally, North America, Germany, Italy, I think. There's going to be more um, uh, demand than uh, the Asian products. Yeah. Anybody else before just, we wrap I, things North, up? North, and North America adds some brand validity to international brands that that they are sold in North America. And you know the economy right now, especially if you look at what's going on in New York, um, is changing drastically. I think there's going to be huge. Uh, resurgence in renovation in the next five years, you're going to see in properties that are bought and sold and flipped and turned over uh, in markets like that where people are moving out, people are going to different places to work. Uh, there's just, there's, there's so many changes taking place. Um, That's a great yeah. segue to, to say thanks, you guys. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it, you know, it's just curious to me that it's a big old wide world, and uh, we have a very specific market segment in you know the decorative and plumbing and hardware area. So we just thought we'd ask uh, some global people what was going on. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much. Thank you, and the rest of the panelists. Thank you so much. Again, this was recorded and will be available on the DPHA website. Um, and we hope to see you guys next week for um, DPH and the internet. And just a little, a little note on that, starting in August, we are moving from weekly to bi-weekly. So we'll have August 5th and August 19th and every other week after that. So we look forward to seeing you all next okay. week. And thank you guys again. Thank you attendees for attending and panelists. Thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you. If you would like to present in the future or inquire about membership or sponsorship, please visit dpha.net today.